Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense for knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. My guest today is a sports enthusiast, a nature lover, creative person, somebody who's been community-minded since he was a scout as a kid, right up until today as he serves us as a police officer in our local community. My guest today, I'm very excited to have Dan Poirier join me. Thanks so much for coming. It's my pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, I was excited when I met you in the market on Saturday. I'm like, you, you, you need to be one of my guests. And you graciously said, yes. Yes. So I did warn you what the heck my podcast is about. I was doing the math as far as your job and how important intuition flies into that. But we may or may not get into too many stories that, as far as that's concerned. Sounds good. Okay. So Dan, tell everybody a little <clears throat> bit about yourself. Well, I uh, grew up in northern New Brunswick. I was born in Campbellton, New Brunswick a few years ago. Went to high school in Campbellton and moved to Moncton in 1995 uh, to attend University of Moncton. Started out in engineering, found out that I was made more for the social sciences. I've always, uh, since I was young, wanted to be a police officer. But back in 95, the RCMP uh, weren't hiring back then or very hard to get in. So Mm -hmm. I decided to continue my university years in social work. So I did, I almost completed my, my bachelor's degree, but uh, in 2001, the RCMP, uh, I got the call from the RCMP, had applied, got the call and was accepted. So in 2002, I went off to Regina, Saskatchewan to attend the RCMP training academy, spent six months there developing the crafts of being a police officer. And my first posting was in Port Elgin, New Brunswick. Oh, you uh, get to come home. That doesn't always happen. No, it's, uh, oh. I was very fortunate. They were looking for bilingual members to come back to New Brunswick. And there was only three of us in my troop. And two of us came back to New Brunswick. One went to Quebec. Neat. Okay. So I was lucky enough to start my career as a police officer in, in a small community, in a rural community where the police officer in the community is, holds a pretty important role uh, in order to keep the safety of the community uh, upheld, mm-hmm. but also as a resource for the schools, the church, town councils. I, I involved myself highly uh, in a lot of activities. I used to go for lunch every day, working or not, to speak with the kids at the junior high school or the elementary school in Port Elgin. Oh, cool. It was kind of funny. The first few times I attended, the kids would expect problems. That's why the police was there. But ah. I made them understand that it's not because they see the police that there's always issues going on. So uh, I developed quite a bit of a relationship with the kids at the uh, the school. 
I was able to make the profession of a police officer normalized to them and, and part of the community. So they would open up to me with situations. Cool. So, yeah. it's Big uh, brother in a different way. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I still get kids from back in those days, like 17 years now that I've been in, come up to me at the mall or the grocery store here in Moncton. And my name tag, my initials were JD. So they, they believed that was my name. So yeah. I know when somebody calls me, hey, JD that they're coming back from the Port Elgin days. Oh, neat. So, yeah, so that's me. I've been in the RCMP for 17 years as a uh, police officer, currently posted to the Kodiak Detachment, um, one of the operational uh, sergeants on patrol. Uh, So that's where I am right now in my career. I'm artistic Uh, on one side. I love painting and photography, and I also love sport. Yeah, so I didn't know you painted. I do. What kind of painting? Um, when I was younger, um, my father would watch Bob Ross on uh, PBS, mm-hmm. uh, Public Broadcasting System. I developed kind of an interest in the way that how easy it looked for him to paint great uh, sceneries. And I was walking at Michael's here in Moncton one day and I saw a Bob Ross starter kit. Oh, cool. So I bought one and went home did my first painting didn't turn out as well as Bob does on his shows but it still was amazingly easy for me to do so I developed the interest and I started painting a little bit more and I got better at it so uh, that's the type of paintings that I do most people that see my paintings think I do paint by numbers because of because they know they know me as a person and they say there's no way you did that so I have some convincing to do but uh Wow. Yeah. So, so what kind of oil? It's oil paint. Yeah, it's oh, a okay. special formula de- developed by Bob Ross and his company that the the paint itself sticks to layers so you can, you know, okay. you can paint dark and then you put light, light over it. Top so, of it. Yeah, mm, so. Nice. Cool. Like he says, uh, there's there's no accidents, uh, just uh, Make no that mistakes. Line a bird. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Neat. Oh, I love these conversations cuz I always learn something new about people. <laughs> Cool. So at one point you had talked about just a little bit about what I know about you is, is um, your need for nature. Not everybody has an awareness that they need nature and be connected. What does, what does the, what does nature do for you? Nature is, uh, it's weird. It's as if it's a, a filter or a cleanser for, uh, my busy brain uh, at work and and in parenting, it's as if I go to nature and I'm able to let go of all that busyness in my mind and just focus on listening to the birds, listening to my footsteps on the ground, listening to the leaves rough ruffle, uh, the wind, uh, different sounds, and I try to go to the woods where there's not a lot of vehicular traffic mm-hmm. so that it's truly peaceful. I I guess I go back there to rekindle my my peacefulness inside of myself. So mm. I don't know. It's, it's very weird. Uh, I can go there with all kinds of stuff on my mind. And as soon as I start walking into the woods, I get to be one with myself again and forget about everything for however long I stay there, uh, usually between 45 minutes to two hours. I don't know. It's like a uh, 
a huge filter mm-hmm. that I walk through. And when I come out, I've been able to find myself again and, and I guess, reset myself uh, to move forward. Cool. So do, is that something you try and do like once a month or how often? I try to do it as often as I can. My days off, I try to go every day. And when I work, if I can and it's nice outside, I I try to go during my uh, my my night off or my day off when I'm oh, working. Cool. Shift, so. Yeah, so as much as yeah. daily. Yeah. yeah, I would expect with your working, you need that cleansing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So is that something that you've always done or just since you got into the RCMP? I guess when I was younger, I was in scouts and stuff like that. So nature for me was second nature. Mm. No pun intended. True. Uh, but I was always in nature. I grew up in Camelton's fairly rural, so uh, a lot of woods, a lot of places for me to go play. So unknowing to myself, I, I was probably cleansing myself back then also, but not not uh, consciously. Right. But I guess I came back to nature maybe 10 years into my career. So, <laughs> you know, going out to... To nature for for photography i do photography also so there's a lot of subjects out in nature so um i would say i probably tuned into it more as a, a therapeutic situation after our unfortunate incident of june 4th here in 2014 i needed to get back in touch with dan the person versus dan the police officer and and let go of, of all kinds of negative feelings, negative thoughts, and stuff like that. So I guess that's where I really emphasize going to nature and, and getting in touch with um, what nature can offer as, as a therapy. So. Oh, it's, yeah, it's huge. She's called Mother Nature for yeah. a reason. The nurturing factor, the, the electromagnetic shifting that happens just by grounding by being yeah and lately because of photography i've also developed a passion for the beaches at sunset and sunrise Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a magic there too uh, with the light and stuff i mean photography is all about light so in order not in order but with the the good luck of of getting the, the the golden hour we call for the light and stuff and stuff is so magical and and there is this magical feeling about the light and the atmosphere and all that stuff it's that's the second place i like to go when i'm when i'm off well there's i think i read somewhere that before dawn the trees actually are shifting like there's more oxygen in the air there's i read i think it was in one of the radical mission i think that book there's actually an oxygen therapy that you can do if you're not well, where you you go outside and literally breathe because the the air is more oxygenated okay. at that time of day before the sun actually rises up, and so that magical stillness, pristine, like almost yeah. like after rain, right? And that's what it is. The, in the mornings, the sun rises are so still, so peaceful. It's hard to explain, but it's very magical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and being on shift work that's kind of an advantage you get yeah, to sometimes, see <laughs> yeah. sometimes, sometimes my shift finishes when the sun comes up so <laughs> yeah. yeah oh man yeah true enough so shifting gears a little bit how do you 
get your intuition? I would say that I can see my intuition. I have visions, I guess, of if I don't take action or don't don't do something, something will happen. And I can see that something happening down the road or, or immediately. Uh, in police work, it's most of the time it's split-second decisions. Mm-hmm. So my intuition is probably working, but I tend to revisit my calls, I guess, or my, my, my actions after the fact where I have some time to analyze what I've done. Mm-hmm. And I always have this, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. If, if I didn't write this report, this would be questioned. Or if I didn't open that door, this might happen. Or if I didn't protect myself or protect my partner. So it's kind of something I see after the fact, but I know it's happening while I'm taking action. While you're doing it. So does your intuition come about through action then also because you're yeah, you're actually doing the action I mean I've keep... been in for 17 years so Not I believe <laughs> at a point my actions are guided by my intuition and my instinct mm-hmm. so you uh, you learn pretty quick when you're young in service and and uh, you think you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof and nobody can hurt you uh, it only takes a few good punches that you start to learn that you need to listen better or you need to position yourself better. Physical pain is a very good teacher. So Yeah. Well, and you had how many years doing the social services in university? I find that fascinating. I didn't realize that about you either is to go back into that. Yeah. How did you land that? That had to have been a nudge instead of taking arts or something like that. Yeah. Well, I've always been a people person. I've always liked to help people, hence the profession I'm in. Mm-hmm. But even before that, in high school and, and stuff like that, I was always involved in communities in order to better student life or my community, my life in the community and stuff like that. So, yeah, I guess social work was like natural for me. It wasn't, I didn't have to push myself. It came naturally to me. So, mm-hmm. and I knew that it would probably help me out in a uh, law enforcement career. So, and it has. Wow, for sure. It's a, it almost should be a prerequisite. Yeah, and, and yeah, there is, we do some social studies when we learn in Regina. And okay. Most of our training afterwards, uh, there is a component of human psychology or social so, sociology and stuff like that in order to understand dynamics in, in our communities that we police. Mm, yeah. Well, and then you had the intuition on top of that. Yeah. Before we got started today, you shared a story about a poor gentleman who uh, ended up deceased. Um, about how you shared a story, how yeah. you had you had given some insight into a colleague. Yeah. So a junior member, not even on my team, but I was in uh, early on my shift. I guess uh, I usually come in early to get a a feel for what's going on in, in the office in order to, you know, better assess my my planning for the upcoming shift. And the young member came in and he happened upon a gentleman having medical emergency, uh, took action, was able to call the paramedics in and, and uh, take the gentleman to the hospital. Uh, unfortunately, he, he passed away from a heart attack. But the member came back to the office and he was like, so should I create a file for my assistance? Or 
uh, should I just leave it be? Like I just acted and I said, you know what, you should create a file because you never know when questions can be asked and if it's not documented, then who knows how it happened. So in order to take the initiative, I guess, to to document our actions as police officers, I said, yeah, you should should probably create a file and, and, and write it up as far as your actions. And come to find out the following day, the coroner had called and requested information from police because the medic said, oh, it's the police that called us for assistance. And so because of his report, there is no questions that the police acted properly and, mm. and to avoid all doubts that maybe we did something wrong and that's why he died. So mm-hmm. in order to avoid that, by him writing his report and my my instinct, I guess, of documenting our actions, yeah. uh, all the questions, all the doubts and stuff were put to rest. And it was just, like I said, uh, nature's actions that, that took uh, for me in yeah. that day. Well, and it's when you when you said that sentence about how you arrive early, you yeah. go in to kind of feel yeah. what's going on in the day. And yeah. I'm like, that might be intuitive too, Dan. Yeah, well, <laughs> I that hate, happen regularly? Yeah, I do it all the time. I've always yeah. been somebody that's early. If I have to be somewhere at 5 o'clock, I usually tend to be there at 4.40 just to be early. I, I, I hate being late at work. I hate coming in and being projected into the action right away of, of call taking right away and having to manage um, the detachment. Uh, Kodiak uh, is very busy. It's, you know, it's a big f- fairly large city to police. We get a lot of calls. So there's not much time for assessing when you're in the hot seat. So I like to be at the office early on in my shift in order to get a better grasp of what's going on and what's gone on in the day. So, well, yeah, I guess there would be transfer of yeah. power or information. Yeah, I mean, and we have a 15 kind of minute period that's assigned for exchange or what we call our briefing from sergeant to sergeant but i like to be there earlier so that i don't feel overwhelmed when i start my shift Mm. hit the ground running so so it's served me well like i said i've been in kodiak for over a year and i get also a better grasp on the other members from the team that we're relieving so it's it's also sharing their knowledge with me and me with them so Mm. i get to interact with even more people than just my own team so i don't know i think it's a good practice it's helped me and it's uh, served me well yeah up to now knock on wood yeah so another thing that came up which ended up acting as like holy cow you're educating me here dan i had no idea was if somebody dials 911 and doesn't stay on the call yeah Yes. 911 calls are probably our, our highest priorities. Uh, if somebody does dial 911, they're looking for help immediately. It's something that we teach the kids in school. And mm-hmm. when we do talks in school for 911 emergencies, we usually get a rash of 911 calls just to test out the system and see if it really works. Usually start of school years and stuff, we, we, we get a few of those. But we take the chance to go and speak to the parents and the kids to explain, yeah, if you dial 911, the police or the first responders will, will answer. Yeah. But in this particular case, we got a 911 call from a known address to me and to the police force. It was a drop call. When the dispatcher called back, there was no 
uh, answer on the callback. So usually on stuff like that, you'd expect, oh, okay, well, it's probably just a mistake, so we're not going to go. But that call, I don't know, I, I, I had a vision that something was going on and the police needed to go uh, right away. So I told my team that I was going. I, was, I wanted to go check it out. And when I got on scene, realized that it was a robbery. And the victim had, in fact, himself called 911, but couldn't answer on the ring back. Uh, so by us going and, and finding him, uh, we were able to administer first aid and, and get him to, to help fairly quickly. So from that point on, every time I've had 911 calls, I've always taken them seriously because mm-hmm. it's better in my mind to treat it as a real emergency and act upon it versus the kid that calls 911 just to see if it works. Or sometimes people want to dial 411 for information or 511 or 91 for their messages. And it rings to us as first responders at the emergency uh, center. I'd rather answer those calls and and educate the public again on if you dial 911 or if somehow 911 is dialed. We'll, we're, we're coming. Here. We're coming. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're safe you know, and sorry, like the yeah. story goes. Yeah. yeah. And we've had 911 calls where people would dial it and just drop a phone so that we can hear what's going on. The dispatcher then ah, relay the information to absolutely. us. We keep the open line. Uh, like I said, if the call is made and on ringback, it's dropped and on ringback there's no answer, then I, I will. Yeah, that's definitely red flags. Mm-hmm. Even uh, people sometimes get upset because they do make mistakes and dial 911 by mistake and mm-hmm. they don't want us to show up there. But I've uh, I've answered many domestic violence cases where 911 was called and the person on the other line was like, no, sorry, I made a mistake. Everything's fine. But we still go and we discover domestic violence cases and for stuff sure. like that. So. Yeah, for sure. Because what are they going to say? Yeah. So, you know. They're going to say pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So anyways, we I take them seriously from that point on since since then my instinct told me to answer and I did and it worked. Mm-hmm. So I've been uh, convinced since then that all 911 calls should be taken seriously. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it educated me. Well, my goodness, Dan, I think you're listening and feeling and seeing <laughs> yeah. more than you think. All these senses are... are uh, are engaged are in tune yeah so thank you so much again for today this has been great my pleasure it was great talking to you all right have a good day you too thank you so much for giving us your time today we truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.